Remember when Jeff Bezos said he wanted to sell books out of his garage? Book retailers laughed. <laughs> Bezos loser. Remember when Netflix started a rent DVD by mail service? Blockbuster Video laughed. <laughs> You'll never overcome our late fees. And remember the time Travis got hacked? He had the last laugh. <laughs> that wasn't that funny. <laughs> Today we'll present you with three companies who intend to take on the giants of their industry with blockchain-based solutions for real-world problems. It's David versus Goliath, and warning to Goliath, David has blockchain. Welcome to our sponsored Crypto Spotlight edition of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four. And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, where we like to laugh. That is true. We love to laugh. Laughing is fun. Laughing keeps you young. A lot, you know. I think laughter truly is good medicine, um, and it's such a powerful emotion. In fact, I remember one time I was going through something extremely difficult, and I was I had all this pent up sadness, and I came across something that was so funny that I had one of those hysterical laughing moments, and the laughter turned to tears. You know, it's like it. it the laughter is such a powerful, uh, you know, reaction to you know to the emotion that there are two sides of the same coin. That's why sometimes we can laugh so hard we cry. Wow, that that must have been really hilarious. It was hilarious, and then I was like, <laughs> you know, I was it was pathetic. Anyway, <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad that uh, you know you recognize that though. That's good. It was a it was an epiphany. It's another step towards self actualization, which we never really arrive at. But you have arrived at the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious and serious and hilarious. And today we celebrate Travis's birthday. Happy birthday, Travis! Woo! Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was born a long time ago in the galaxy. This is this actually in this galaxy, but a long time ago. And your fans are excited. Yeah. Especially that one right there. That she's, one. She's, she's really good. She's she's not rolling on all cylinders. It sounds like. Let's say forty five, right? Getting old, brother. Yeah. Well, no, not really. <laughs> um, I got nine years on you, and I don't feel old. So uh, you that's you great. got you got. You know what's time great about it is like I realized that is like you know I was like man I'm getting older, but I'm like you know what? So is everybody else. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that that, that he'll baby. They'll be older than me. <laughs> that little baby that's just turned one. You got older. Suck it, little baby. Yeah. Yeah, and we're actually older now since the podcast even began. No, seriously. Older. Time's ticking. It does. And a, a quick correction from the last show. Uh, many of you have already purchased a copy of my new book, The Fun Formula. And thank you for that. You've got bad coin coming your way. I realized that I said the wrong link on the show. And I didn't just say that it once. Smooth. That was a great job with the marketing. There. I know. I said it multiple times. The actual website is funformulabook.com. So go check it out there and email us your receipt. Um, and if you get Travis's book, Digital Sense, between the uh, get both of those and you get a million bad, bad coin, um, they're worthless, but the books aren't. 
The books are great stuff. Yeah. And if you want to, you can get the Fun Formula Coloring Book and the Fun Formula Scratch and Sniff Book, but that's only a book of farts. So I don't know if you want that one. <laughs> that's fantastic. By the way, uh, a friend pointed out to me yesterday that apparently on Snapchat, you know, there's a lot of ready-made content that, you know, there's productions made of shows on Snapchat. And there's a show out there that is called, I'm actually looking at Snapchat now to try to remember it. Um, you know, I can't remember the exact name of the, the show, but apparently iFart was featured on it. In the segment on the show, they do a phone swap between uh, a guy and a gal who are going to date. And they look at each other's phones and the gal opened up the guy's phone. And the first thing that they showed was he had iFart and she actually used it and talked about how funny it was. Nice, nice. Joel Combs, helping people get laid. That's the, the, the gift that keeps on giving. And speaking of gifts that keep on giving, we've got three great interviews that we'd like to gift to you in today's Crypto Spotlight. That's great. Yeah, we have some interesting ones. Not only, you know, sometimes when we do these ICO spotlights, sometimes they're, you know, it's a DAP or sometimes they're building on some. We actually have a couple of really cool blockchain platforms today. I actually think all three of these are very interesting projects that have have a lot of merit. Yeah, they're not all dabs. Some of them are dabs. You know, once you've decentralized your workout, decentralize your abs, those are dabs. Well, it's also like my kid likes to do that, the little dab, which like lifts the elbow up, dab. A little dab will do ya. So Aww. this is our sponsored episode. All three of the ICOs that you're going to hear from today, Cardstack, Koti, and Artis, uh, these are ones that we have vetted. We think what they're doing is interesting, potentially incredibly disruptive. And so the founders of these organizations have compensated Bad Crypto Podcasts in order to have this time to share their message with you. So we are not making any recommendations. We never do. We never will. We only recommend that you listen to the show and tell a friend about it. And so should we get to it, Trev? I do. I want to say this. I think that this episode of the ICO Spotlight, I think this is the best one since the one where we had Horizon State, Power Ledger, and Block RX on. Wow, that is a powerful statement. Not an endorsement, so to speak, but definitely a, a powerful statement. Statement. Statement it was. It was definitely a statement. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Here comes the first one. Buckle in. Oh, to have some superpowers on the decentralized internet. I've got my cape on, Travis, but I don't feel super. You have a cape? I do. Why, did Pretty you go awesome. to like Comic Con or something recently, or no? No, it's got a it's got a big BC on it because I'm bad crypto man. Be careful though, because you're on that 22nd floor now. I don't want you to get any ideas that you can fly or anything. You realize you're just Joel. Con. I believe I can fly. <laughs> uh, no, during a uh, heavy wind we had here in Denver, I saw cushions flying off of people's balconies from their you know their their balcony furniture, and I and I realized I am glad I'm not that cushion. Um, they will land probably with a soft, you know, poof, as it hits the ground. Uh, I would land with a splat, and it would yeah, be good. Yeah. It would be traumatizing to everyone else, too, who walked by. <laughs> yeah, especially everybody else. Anyhow, back to uh, digital superpowers. That's something that Cardstack is wanting to provide so that uh, you can ha so that people can have an open source framework and a consensus protocol to make blockchains usable and scalable for all, for all the peoples of the world. We have with us the founding director, 
Mr. Chris C. And welcome to Bad Crypto, Chris. Hello. Nice to be here. The Bad Christo podcast. Chris C. podcast. Chris, <laughs> never mind. What's up? I'm, I am just trying to understand what's so bad. Uh, this is about good, right? We were trying to make good crypto here. Yeah, we, we want to do good stuff by being bad. That's, <laughs> Travis and I are bad. Travis is really bad. Okay. It's fun to do bad stuff. I or, get what, what was that one guy? What was that one kid who said that? It's fun to do bad things. No, but we're actually, we're bad because we're not experts. We have a lot of questions. And so we're learning <laughs> as everyone is in the whole blockchain space. So this is our journey. So maybe tell us a little bit. You say that Cardstack is a revolutionary experience layer that makes blockchain technology usable and scalable. What mm-hmm. exactly does that mean, sir? Yeah. Yeah. Persuade us. <laughs> yeah. What the heck's revolutionary about it? You know, how infomercial persuade people is to show you how bad the problem is. Like, have you ever wondered why you can't clean your floor because you need a pole to reach the ground? Uh, and then you realize you need a broom or something. Uh, I think, you know, when we talk about experience layer, we're basically acknowledging that the user interface and the user on RAM for p- regular people to get involved in crypto and blockchain is actually really bad. Uh, and, 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 and it's, and it's really preventing people from really understanding what blockchain is. They read about in the press, read about in the news, but how many people really have bought a token or used it? And if they do, maybe they're just using Coinbase and they call themselves like a crypto person, but that's really just using a website. As far as really getting into crypto, the user experience is really dramatically missing, especially compared to what people are used to. So we think that we need to build an experience layer, really thinking about all aspects of crypto and blockchain and say, assuming you're going to use 16 different protocols, 14 different dApps and 16 different you know, token ecosystem, how do that look to one single human person, right? How do you deal with that? What would that look like in 2019? Those are really the questions and, and a lot of what we propose in terms of usability, scalability, development tools and consensus protocol. It's just solution to the problem that we really need to fix the user interface experience problem of the decentralized Internet. Otherwise, this is just going to be something we talk about and never actually use. That's really so true. You know, Coinbase yeah. is for wimps, right, Travis? I mean, until you've used Ether Delta and figure <laughs> that out, you haven't done crypto, yo. Yo, in, and now it's like if you haven't figured out like Switchio and how the, the ne, the Neo, how to trade Neo tokens through that same, you know, it's like, you're like, wow, this is, you know, it's a different level. And for some, they just go, that's so easy. Big yeah. deal. But for most people, they're looking at it like, wow, I don't understand. Like whenever Joel and I first started, like, we were babies in the sense of we were on Coinbase, but you know, <laughs> setting up on Bitrix, like trying to go over there and buy some Ant shares before it turned into Neo. You know, it was right. like, ooh, I don't know. So we just send it to this number. Oh my god, it's so so stressful. So so how does how does your experience layer tie that all together? Is that through your framework or through SDKs, APIs? Are you pulling all of that in and then creating one new moment of truth for people, or what? I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you want. And to be able to have, you know, truly human-centric experience means that if I'm interacting with four different blockchains, six different token ecosystem with 14 different types of relationship, I'm having, sometimes I'm a miner, sometimes I'm a staker, sometimes I'm a user. Uh, you don't really want to have to be aware of that. So the way we make... Th- 
technology easy is do we bring developers and product designers and user interface experts and say, why didn't you build me a beautiful UI, a component, a module, a tab, a, 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 a app, or like a what we call cards, like the block of information that allows you to vis- visualize what is actually going on on chain uh, and then coordinate them. So within one transaction, you could be buying some insurance on, you know, a uh, uh, Ether, Ethereum, and then the next transaction could be, you know, borrowing something from someone, you know, Airbnb ticket through uh, a smart contract system to unlock doors, right? But they could all be essentially different blockchains, and then Costec provides a framework that has a plugin system. Each plugin connects to e- each blockchain of decentralized protocol. It can even connect to the cloud or existing UI, existing cloud services, and then on top of that, developers. Don't need to be blockchain developer, just great, you know, motivated application developer who used to be doing the web and iOS development. Now say, hey, I have a Costec framework. It's like other frameworks I've used. And look, I'm doing blockchain application on top of this plugin framework without having to learn the quirkiness of how decentralized applications are working today. But because Costec as a framework allows you to deploy uh, uh, in a peer-to-peer way or, or even in a hosted way, you can then have a choice as a developer whether you're going to deploy this in a purest this is an Electron app running on your desktop. It's totally peer-to-peer. We can do that. Classic can run all the clients as light clients and then allow you to have that experience connecting directly to the network, or we can stop people out on the web. So you can get the users and then say, hey, by the way, when you're ready to take control of your keys, card stack, all the software, all the same, but you can now run it yourself. That's what we provide to developers and developers and designers provide that user interface on ramp. So we're really building a decentralized software ecosystem. Chris, give us some examples, real world, of how you see developers using this. I think the real world examples of what you know, the, what developers are doing today is that they're making a choice uh, when they start a project. It's like, do I want to build a centralized website that gets a lot of crypto users? I'm building an exchange, I'm building a wallet, or I'm doing the purest thing when I'm building a dApp on top of Ethereum. And you can't get you can't do both. You, you either say, I'm going to build this proprietary website, you know, it could be my Ether wallet or it could be, you know, Coinbase, whatever it might be. And that's not really as decentralized as we hope. Or you can go and build like the Aragon people, the Augur people, like the whole, you know, I'm going to build a prediction market where it's entirely peer to peer. And that's a lot of work. People spend years to build that. We want to make it so that the developer don't have to make a choice. So almost all the use case you're thinking about, let's say someone's like, I want to build a crypto account, uh, a crypto portfolio tracker or crypto accounting system. Now you have to decide, is it going to be centrally hosted or is it like a dApp? If it's a dApp, you're two years away from shipping. If it's centralized hosting, you can go out today, but then it's not really as decentralized and sometimes not even open source. So with Cardstack, we can basically say, okay, instead of using whatever tools you're using today, which make you make a choice, build on Cardstack, and then you can start out getting users involved in a more web-hosted way, but knowing the user, any of the users can decide one day to stay, get woke and say, you know, I really want to control my own data set. This portfolio list of all the things I own should be under my direct control. And then with one button, you can deploy Costack to your own cloud or your own desktop, and then you can take that data over. Now, the developer can still get paid and, and through some token mechanism we, we design. At the end of the day, the user gets to choose whether they want to be decentralized or not centralized. So any use case you currently see in crypto can be built on Costack 
with a lot more flexibility than the current dichotomy between hosted wallets versus decentralized dreams. Wow, decentralized dreams! I have those. I have I have centralized <laughs> nightmares. Actually, I, I had one. Of <laughs> I had one of those when I was going through your card stack reward model PDF, and I saw all these <laughs> equations in there. G squared equals V times G equals E right. over Q. You, I was going like, what? So like. How does the reward system work and how does this make it easier for users? Because I just listened to the most complex thing that you just said. Yeah. I'm sure people are listening and they're like, oh, like, uh-huh. what? Can, you can you dumb it down for us? Like, what's the what's the you know, what, how are laymen going to understand what it is card stack does? Because it, it seems to me that each one of these is a layer. You're calling them cards. Yep. You're stacking these things on top of each other. And each one yep. sort of has different sort of, uh, you know, technological use cases. And you can plug them into different things. Now, we'd like to dumb it down because folks really want to understand it. I can tell you guys are really smart because you have all these different equations, like on every page. <laughs> of these equations. Like, Joel, you got to look at them. I'm like looking at this like, damn, you got all these graphs and charts. It looks like you guys are really smart. Uh, it sounds like you guys are really smart, but could you dumb it down? Could you help us help help out the good folks of the crypto land to understand, uh, you know, how is this going to make things easier? Yeah, help us to help you to help them to help us. Yeah, yeah. I, I will help oh. me and help you. And everybody will help. Uh, I, I remember the slogan, Mr. Clean, we work hard so you don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, the reason we have the, all this complicated equation is that we really want the user to pay once, right? So it's like, okay, I want to use $100 worth of crypto software, okay? You stake that and you can, you know, you know, acquire Ether, or we're trying to find a way you can even just use a credit card to buy basically $100 worth of hosting credit. And once you're done and you put that in almost like a prepaid Starbucks card, right? Like a store reward card, and that's in the token ecosystem, you can use whatever you want in any network, regardless of whether they have a token economics underneath it, whether it is on NEO or Ethereum, all that kind of settlement of like, how much do you owe the Sciacon network for storage? How much do you owe this network? It's all done in those equations you just mentioned. Uh-huh, so okay. the key here is to basically create a very simple vision of the user, which is like, you just put $100 worth of coins aside and say, anybody who want to provide me crypto decentralized software service, you know I'm good for my money. I put it, I prepaid it. But I so didn't prepare like the Grand Central one. Station, like all these different things are kind of plugging in and kind of yeah. something in it all. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the equation is just how do we fairly distribute it? And the, the basic idea is that every person who provided some service for this user, and, and hopefully there's hundreds and thousands, if not millions of these people, have to basically show proofs in some time frame later on and say, I gave a five terabytes worth of storage to this user. I gave this service or that person did this on my network and you show our protocol that you've done that work and then we can do it in a cryptographic approvable way so you can fake your usage data. And you just look at the usage data and say, okay, at the end of the month or in the end of the week, wherever the time period is, here is your proportional slice, the proportional allocation of this pie, of this pool of money that has been you know, staked by all the users who are using CardStack, regardless of whether they're using it through a website or through a P2P app, doesn't really matter. And then we split that money. So at the end of the day, the we work hard so you don't work to, uh, you don't have to is really the basic idea of how you simplify things. You create layers, you create facades so that the end user experience is just 
I have $100 worth of software. Oh, I ran out because I used a lot. Uh, and then next month you stake again and or, or, or refills or something like that. But that ensure two things. One, that if you are trying to participate in the Costa ecosystem, uh, you can go and connect it to your coin, to your blockchain. And knowing that nobody needs to go and find an exchange to have your coin, it's all kind of done in, in, in the token mechanism. And obviously there's a lot more going in on top of how can you leverage decentralized exchange or even centralized exchange to create supply of tokens so we can spend the token ahead of you needing it and then settle it out. That is for another podcast. But for the end user, which is your question, all you need is Costec token. So how does that uh, then, What I guess, talk a little bit about what the token is, what the symbol is, and, and uh, how somebody would use it in your ecosystem? Sure. So the Costec token is, we call it card. Uh, and that makes sense, right? We're Costec. But, you know, the reason we chose the word symbol card is because it's really like a prepaid credit card or a prepaid debit card would be more accurate. Once you are in this network, and that network could be Visa, it could be like Diners Club, or it could be like Starbucks, right? Or some sort of franchise that we honor that. We're just basically saying that essentially becomes your payment mechanism for any uh, software ecosystem or software protocol that essentially accepts the card stack token. If they accept the card stack token, then there's some translation between their own tokens and their own value system in their ecosystem. But then they know that they can always like bill someone who has card stack token for the kind of like almost affiliated rewards uh, so that the that they get more users. They, you know, whatever the experience that we build, bring in 500,000 users, a million users, that's a lot more. Now, office for Ethereum project, that may say, oh, I have my own users. But as you have new blockchains and new dApps, it's going to be really hard for them to get the first paying users. Uh, we just provide a way where it's like, hey, just write a plugin, connect your blockchain protocol to Costack, expose your beautiful protocol via a tool on our experience, and people will be using your system and contributing to your ecosystem using Costack token as essential that bridge. Right on, guys. You got to check out their website for one, cardstack.com. There's, they're, they're billing it as the next gen, next gen blockchain applications for end users, a new app, app framework for developers, aggregation protocol, analytic miners, their ecosystem token, and then whichever blockchain you're using, there's different layers on this. So there's a lot of technology <laughs> there. It's, and, and for the layman who's going to come in there, they're going to look at this and go, wow, this looks impressive. But what about your team that you have the belief that you guys can pull this off? What, what about you guys makes you different? Yeah, I think we have two kind of sensibility in our team. One is that we've all, we are all very experienced technologists. Like the, the team is basically led by me, who have a CS degree from Columbia. Uh, Ed Faulkner is a lead developer who is, who is actually a core team in a major open source project called Ember. And, and Hassan, who has been working for some microsystem and built with a lot of software and worked with him for the last 10 years. So it's a, is a project led by engineers. And what we believe is that you just can't have one team with a bunch of engineers building all the tools for decentralization. If you really believe in decentralization, you're really looking for a network of people coming in and say, hey, I want to build Cardstack solution. I want to be a Cardstack consulting company. I want to build a software agency. I want to do a design agency. We want to get all those people uh, uh, aligned with building for software. And in the regular world, like the non crypto world, we've got WordPress, we got Drupal, we got Shopify, we got all these tools, e-commerce tools that people align together. And those are the people who have no way into crypto today. That there's no way for those software developers and those design firms and product firms to get into crypto because they would go way low level going to Ethereum and building Solidity, which is not really what they do. They build beautiful apps that people find useful and they love. We want them to choose Costack. 
if they choose Costack and we are an open source framework, we get them paid through the token mechanism and they can deploy software and then they can make a sustainable living, not only doing consulting, building new app, but also getting a revenue long-term when those apps are continue being used by the end users. We create this essentially growing, but also uh, kind of self-reinforcing loop of more and more tools, more and more module, more and more plugins. That's where we think uh, we will need uh, not just Two, three, three thousand crypto engineers, but hundreds of thousands of really great engineers and designers around the world who are looking for a framework that allows them to say, "Hey, we do blockchain too. We want them to choose Costa." Excellent. And the ICO is uh, coming up here. Is that correct? And kind of uh, in rounding this up here, give us an overview of uh, how the ICO is operating, who could participate. Yes. So Kotstag is uh, backed by a Swiss foundation. So this is uh, in the Crypto Valley in Zug, Switzerland. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been great. Uh, we've been supported by the community. Uh, we finished uh, $27 million uh, USD worth of kind of private strategic contribution. Uh, so we have, you know, 8 million that we want to go and give those tokens to to the first batch of users coming in and staking the token and getting access to these amazing tools that people are building on Costec. Obviously, the Costec team will build a lot of the tools uh, first, but then as the network grows, uh, th- there will be a greater and greater catalog called a card catalog of capability you use. Uh, so that's an opportunity to participate in our token generation event. Uh, and right now, I think when this podcast podcast is a, a, a launch, it will be will open for uh, KYC for interested people to participate in our token event and acquire the token that they can use almost right after unlock to to play with the card stack system. All of our software is open source. They're all functional. It's all working. We wrote the smart contract. We created our entire framework to connect with not only Ethereum, which was initially based on the ELC20 token, but also in a way that can adapt to other tokens in the future because what we discussed earlier. So if you're interested in this vision and see kind of uh, can, can participate in the next phase of more usable, more friendly software uh, on the decentralized world. We want you to be a part of our community. Yeah, this is great. So this kind of tells me, you know, as you're as the more as you're describing this, this this sounds to me like uh, a, a Trey.io or a, um, a Zapier type of uh, platform where you can plug mm-hmm. into various different things. So like Trey is a really cool marketing technology that you can like plug in Salesforce and plug in yeah, yeah. Clearbit and plug in all these different, uh, you know, things. And then you're able to do cool stuff with the data. This sounds to me like you're kind of the Zapier blockchain Zapier. You can plug into Ethereum. You can plug into Neo. You can plug into these other dApps. You can plug into this. And then yep. you can give the front end a view to the user, a cohesive uh, experience each time they interact. For sure. And, you know, we love what the, the kind of API integration Zapier, IFTTT, I don't know what's how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. is doing. Uh, but we want to do it in an open way. We want to do an open source, open protocol. Uh, a lot of these kind of like glueware are still proprietary. They hold your data. But more importantly, a lot of these kind of automation tools still relies on you to go to the main user interface for your CRM and stuff like that. And they're just kind of gluing it together in the middle. With Cardstack, we believe that once you connect these things together, you should build the user experience on top of the connection, on top of the acquisition bus, right? The software we call Costack Hub. Then you don't have to go to 10 different websites just to do five things, right? Uh, even if they're connected through Zapier, you still have to log into many, many websites. You just hope that sometimes things get from your accounting system to another system 
correctly. But we really believe that if we do this connection and do it in an open way, you're going to have a new generation of product designer and developer who's going to build entirely new user experience on top of the fact that the data is already integrated, the user identity is already merged together. And, and that's where I think we can not only reach parity to the centralized web, Facebook and Google, but we can beat it in terms of cohesiveness and sensibility that the user feel like, hey, this is my digital life. It is what I own. It's actually what I'm seeing built on top of Costack. And I own the software. I own the code. I'm part of this community. And every single time I do something, I'm actually contributing to the ecosystem. And people, developers, and designers are getting paid. That's going to feel really good. Sounds great. Uh, Chris, where are people joining you for community? Is Telegram your go-to place? That is the best place. We are telegram.me slash Kotstack. Uh, we're also on Twitter at uh, uh, Kotstack. Uh, so we have the main, uh, you know, kind of, you know, name, Kotstack.com, te- Telegram Kotstack, and at Kotstack on Twitter. Uh, the Telegram community has been really uh, helpful to us to understand. Uh, a lot of people are very experienced and they, they certainly sense that, that, that we need to grow up as a crypto community, acknowledge the human on the other side of the address. Uh, and they, they see that this Costa community is starting to kind of unwrap the possibility uh, in terms of not just uh, the speculative value of the excitements around tokens, but also, hey, we probably need some people actually using this for this to have any value. Uh, and, and if you believe in that, you're going to feel right at home in our community. Travis, grow up already. I mean, the whole com- you need to lead the way. If the community is going to grow up, Travis Wright's going to be the Pied Piper. Uh, over 15,000 members there in that telegram. So uh, cards, cardstack.com. And uh, thanks, Chris. Good luck with this project. Absolutely. And thank you for the conversation. And uh, I'm going to go and be a bad crypto person, just like you lead me to be. Well, that's great. I just want to say this. I'm, I'm most impressed that, that your, your project name does not have bit, does not have coin, does not have block or chain in the name of your brand. So nicely done. I like that. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. One of the key words for this podcast is cryptocurrency. You know, there's a lot of cool blockchain projects that are happening that aren't necessarily um, a, a currency in and of theirself outside of their own ecosystem. But, you know, Bitcoin, uh, Travis, is the primary currency we're familiar with. Litecoin is another one. Dogecoin is another. There, there's, there's a bunch of them. There are. And, you know, there's, there's seven different. I was watching this great uh, session today at the consensus event i was watching the stream and uh it was it was the um tapscott not don tapscott but his son adam tapscott is his name and he was talking about the seven different types of coins and tokens and uh, cryptocurrency is kind of its own you know deal it's we're talking bitcoin bitcoin cash bcash excuse me litecoin right (laughs) some of those other ones those are actual cryptocurrencies, and then a lot of these other ones are tokens or utility tokens, and, and they have different use cases, and there's the privacy ones. So digital currency is its own sort of a, a thing aside from all of those tokens that you see on CoinMarketCap. Well, there are always new problems to be solved, and the guests we have with us for this segment of our Crypto Spotlight uh, intends to solve that problem and create the currency of the Internet. And if you look at uh, currency of the Internet, the, um, the, the first letter in that it ends up spelling Koti, C-O-T-I. The website is Koti.io. That is so clever. 
Yeah. How clever was that? The uh, CEO is Shahaf Bargeffin. And uh, welcome to Bad Crypto from the backseat of your Uber in New York City. Oh, hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How's the weather there in New York? It is very rainy. Ah, well, in that case, yeah. you can have New York because it's sunny in uh, in Denver. Anyway, welcome to uh, to the show, and tell us what is the problem that needs to be solved by a new currency. So, as we all know, there are several problems with traditional payment systems. You know, the Visa, Mastercard, and PayPal of the world, specifically high fees, low remittance, and the fact that it's inclusive for about four well, two billion people you know from around the world so cryptocurrencies could have been the solution for that because they take out the middlemen but they've actually um as we all know didn't become a massively adopted form of payment and we see five reasons for that one is complexity as i say moms don't use cryptocurrencies it's just too complex um the second would be scalability while Visa and MasterCard can do about 65,000 transactions per second, uh, you know, Bitcoin can do seven and, and, and faster projects can maybe do a thousand transactions per second, but it's not like payment scale. Stability is another issue. If the price is volatile, then the merchant won't take something that may go down 20% the next day and the consumer won't pay with something that can go up 20% the next day. Another problem, of course, is the lack of regulation. I don't think merchants want to deal with a cryptocurrency that may be involved with uh, money laundering because that will jeopardize their entire operation uh, because they've just accepted something that may be dangerous to them. And last but not least is that we need to recognize that when we take out the middlemen, the cryptocurrencies, we actually lose something. And that is the chargeback mechanism. So if I'm paying for something online with a cryptocurrency and the merchant, for instance, doesn't deliver, I actually want a middleman there that I can go to and say, yeah, you know what? product wasn't delivered, please charge this back. With cryptocurrencies, we lose that because we lose the middleman. So with Coty, we've actually built a new protocol to address all of these issues. We've built something that is super scalable. We've created the first decentralized chargeback mechanism over cryptocurrencies. We've built it to be fully regulated. And we've built a very sleek and cool user experience that merchants and users can easily adopt. Um, and with that, we hope to actually achieve massively adopted new form of payment. That's interesting. Hey, Joel. Yeah. Your mom uses crypto. No way. (laughs) You said moms don't use crypto, but Joel's mom uses crypto. That's going to be the new insult of the future. Your mom. Oh, oh, okay. Because my mom does does a lot of things, but um, I think I've told her about the show and, you know, she's busy traveling the world, but I don't think she's ever used crypto. Mm. Well, I've given my mom some crypto, so she she watches it. But uh, so, so I, <laughs> I want to ask. She, 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 Mom's she, she She's a hodler because she doesn't know how to actually unhodle. <laughs> she doesn't quite <laughs> figure out how to get, get it out of the account and spend it. So I, I'm curious about your ecosystem that you have here because you've you've got a pretty detailed, um, you know. Uh, on your white paper, you have an overview document that talks about the cluster. You have a unique trust scoring mechanism and a mediation system, and you have this decentralized governance. So you could maybe kind of give a brief overview of how that actually works. Yes, for sure. And then for people that are even more curious and in, in our website, we have this, um, mathematical simulation of what we do, which is very, very uh, cool. And I suggest you see that, but, um, it's right at the very top of the navigation says simulation up there. Very yes, cool. exactly. Exactly. So the, the cluster is actually the data structure 
Uh, we've built it over DAG, direct acyclic uh, graph. And to that, we've added the new consensus mechanism called the trust chain. So actually, all participants in the network are assigned with a trust core. Um, that is given to them past their KYC, AML, and a questionnaire process. So they're given a Genesis trust core. But that, of course, changes a lot as they actually transact and, and will give you good score if you're trustworthy, meaning you transact a lot and there aren't any issues with you. But if you're a merchant, for instance, and there are a lot of disputes around you um, and you lose them, it means your trust score will go down. Or if you're trying mm. to fraud the system, your trust score will go down. So with that trust score, actually, a consensus is achieved. And this is something that I won't go into too much detail uh, because it's pretty much easier to see it visualized. But um, when new transactions are joined the network, they confirm previous transactions. But they cluster themselves with transactions with similar trust scores. So then you have these chains of high trust and chains of low trust, right? And everything in between. So high trust means that there'll be needed less transactions to actually achieve consensus and low means more transactions. So that actually generates more fees and, and slower consensus if you're in low trust. I'm totally distracted right now, by the way, because you, Travis said click simulation and I did. And now I'm playing with this. <laughs> so and, am I. It's like, I, this is awesome. I don't know what I'm looking yeah. at, though. You guys need to go go to Coti, C-O-T-I dot I-O, click simulation. And there's all kinds of parameters you can put in. It's, it's like a graphical representation of their distributed ledger in real time. But I'm still not sure what am I looking at here. It's math, Joel Com. You wouldn't understand. I, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say the shape of mine c- kind of looks like a, a femur at the moment. Nice. Mine or was like, like a big, huge C that was uh, like it was like very like you look kind of like a universe. Yeah, you're you're looking at the future. Actually, <laughs> you have a small window to the future. Oh. Uh, what you're seeing is um, so imagine this: a new a new transaction tips into two previous transactions, and now it does a little proof of work to confirm them. But they're not, uh, to validate them, excuse me, but they're not confirmed. Money is not transmitted yet. So any, uh, any one of these small dots there carries uh, its own weight, and, and its weight is its trust score. And let's say you want to reach a threshold of 500 before you actually confirm a transaction and money is, is transmitted, Right. So you can have maybe um, uh, 10 transactions of medium trust score, like 50 to, to get to 500. Or you can have like five transactions of perfect score, 100 to reach the same number. So you can understand that if you're more trustworthy, you need less confirmations. Less confirmations mean less fees and a better uh, quality of service. And this sort is of like if you actually, get TSA pre, you're like, all right, we know you're cool. You can go to the yeah. airplane first without having to take off your shoes. Exactly, exactly that. But if you're not, right, if you, we don't trust you for, because we profiled you, and uh, uh, then you have to go through a lot of hoops. Uh, yeah, you're going to that uh, special to, room. To, <laughs> where they say, I'm going to touch you with the back of my hand in a sensitive place. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, uh, uh, so this is, there's a lot of content here on the site, and we only have so much time. So let's get into the map. Yeah of how your token uh, operates here you know how how does somebody use this uh this currency yeah okay so actually it's one of the the most basic usage in the world we 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 built Cody um with a vision that we want to allow consumers and merchants to exchange uh, exchange value as easy as it is to exchange information over the internet so the basic thing would be you paying with it as simple as that but how do you actually do that 
if it's um, the easy case where you already have a coding wallet and the merchant has a, a code integration and we already have about 2,000 merchants that have integrated with us uh, to launch in our alpha and over 50,000 consumers uh, with us. But let's say that, that that's too easy, right? You just send your coding, uh, it's settled instantly um, and, and we can carry on with sending you your product. But let's say you, you're a merchant working with us, but the consumer never heard about us before. So actually, in the checkout process, he can look and see, hey, there is a Cody there. But you know what? He doesn't really care. He's not even interested in that. He's just trying to pay with his credit card. But the merchant knows that if he accepts Cody, he now saves a lot of money for fees. So maybe he's trying to encourage you to use Cody. Let's say he's giving you extra loyalty points or discount or any other things. But and, and now he's trying to encourage you to use Cody, but you're still not engaged, right? But now you try to pay with your credit card when you wanted to buy something from China or I don't know, but card was declined. So now you're actually the only way you can buy something is with Cody. Now, to get Cody, it's quite easy because we've actually bought a software uh, to build our own exchange. Uh, not because we want to be uh, a for-profit exchange or or, or compete with the big exchanges of the world. We just want to make it very easy to buy Cody. So using one of the top 10 cryptocurrencies out there or just fiat money, you can trade it for Cody. And with Cody, you buy whatever you want um, with no fees and it's super easy. I buy what I want, Travis. Yeah, your mom uses crypto, Joel. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so this is interesting. So, how far along is the technology today? Like, have you guys? How close is Mainnet launch of this? And what does your roadmap look look like for getting this thing ready to rock and roll? All right. So, uh, this August we'll be launching our Alphanet, uh, and it will be closed with two thousand merchants and fifty thousand consumers. Trusco will be there. The mediation system, which is super cool, will be there. Um, a lot of the key elements of an iWork will be there. By December, we'll be launching a far scalable testnet with everything on it. And a few months later, the mainnet. We actually have uh, we, we have 30 people in the team, so it's a quite substantial team. About half of us are, are engineers and half of us are uh, um, people from the payment industry. We actually have the guy that have invented the compression for JPEG um, uh, with us, uh, managing. Uh, oh, very uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, some hey, very, if you ever uh, run into that guy who uh, created the GIF, let him know he's saying it wrong. GIF, not GIF, <laughs> it's not GIF. Let him know that because it's not gra- It's graphic interface, not graphic. We got to let him know that he needs to change that. Jurassic. I say, uh, <laughs> I say, I say, GIF myself as well. Yeah. yeah. You know what? <laughs> say whatever you want because that's what uh, that's what we do. Uh, so the token sale itself. How does somebody get Cody coins? Okay, so there is actually, um, for like the public, there is actually a very small and limited window of opportunity because uh, we are kind of oversubscribed our sale for private investors, but um, we have a very substantial community of people following us, about 60,000 people. Um, nice. And yeah, and, and we've decided to allow um, our community to participate and actually even get uh, like prices that, uh, that, that are very good. And um, around um, May 21st, um, we'll be opening a very short window of a community sale. Uh, anybody that is part of our community to that point can join and buy Cody. We'll be limiting the amount per user, but um, it's actually a very uh, good and probably last opportunity to buy Cody. 
before you buy it uh, in an exchange later on this year. Very nice. So the best community is that I, I assume they're on Telegram. Yeah, Telegram. There are about thirty-four thousand people right now, and it's oh, growing wow. super fast. Now, is that how you get in the yeah, queue yeah. to be able to buy Cody, or do you got need to do that and go to the website to fill out some form or something? You will need to do a KYC before you can actually buy Cody's. This is part of our uh, uh, regulation framework we're working under. But yeah, if you join our, either our Telegram or our mailing list or any of our channels. Will of course notify you um, when the sale is is on. You need to be ready, and and then you can join. Gotta do your know your chicken. That is that's just you know. A month. <laughs> I, mean, I love eating KFC. <laughs> gotta that's gotta have your protein. I had KFC the other day. It was pretty good. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, what what else we got? Um, this is this is all uh, plenty of content. I think check out. But yeah, I think what, one of the most yeah one of the most interesting uh, thing that we do actually is the mediation system. So. How do we do chargeback, right? So let's say you and I have a dispute. You, I, I claim that I bought something and never got it. You say, of course, I sent it. And, and we never reached an agreement. Now we, uh, now we are in, in a dispute. So with Visa, MasterCard, you do a chargeback. With PayPal, you open a dispute. What do you do with cryptocurrencies? So what we did is actually create uh, this community of mediators like everyday people that are part of Coty with a high trust score that has gone through a, a screening process. And a committee, like a jury of sort, is mm. created to solve these issues. So there's um, an odd number of people that don't know each other don't, and can coordinate with each other that actually vote for either side, let's say the consumer or the merchant. But as just voting is nice, we wanted to make it interesting and we wanted to create incentives to judge well and not to try to fraud the system. So when you vote, you actually stake your tokens, some of it, to either side. And this pool is created, right? And if you are on the winning side with the majority, you actually um, take away your tokens back, but you also take away some of the tokens of those who have lost and, and voted against the majority. And this is like a proof of stake of sorts um, that gives incentives to judge well, because if you keep losing, keep on uh, or pointing on uh, your finger the wrong direction, you're going to leave the system because you're not making, because um, you're losing money of it. Or if you try to, to fraud the system, you will lose money. But if you judge well and over time you do it better and better, you keep winning tokens. So this is how we've created um, a decentralized approach to solve disputes. I love that. Joel is very good at judging. Winner, winner, chicken. I know. Winner. That's why you have to know your chicken, so you can, uh, you know, <laughs> win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. So good. So what else is, uh, you know, as we're wrapping this up here, what are some maybe some final things that you would like our audience to know about your your project that's going on? Any other stuff that's pretty cool going on? Um, yeah, we have these very cool uh, partnerships. Actually, we have um, uh, signed a partnership with uh, Processing.com. Uh, which is a very large uh, processor giving us access to you know tens of thousands of of merchants with a single integration uh, mm. that of course will encourage us um, uh, to get this mass adoption and another thing to understand is that cryptocurrencies and and the audience behind it is quite a niche as we all know but I think that if we put something out there in the checkout process of these very cool products and and with very nice merchants that you know have a footprint of hundreds of millions of users around the world, um, we can, we, we might, you know, um, create this, uh, this cryptocurrency that it is mostly adopted. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible by uh, finding the best merchants, 
giving them an offer they can't refuse, right? Uh, don't pay fees and get instant settlement and be able to work with anybody whenever you want. Um, and in return, introduce us to your users, your community, your, your traffic. And um, if they choose Cody, we all win. Speaking of traffic, um, I heard uh, New York traffic there. I heard that horn beep. So uh, uh, Cody wants to make you an offer you cannot refuse. Shahaf, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, good luck. Thank with you. The currency of the Internet. He's going to make you an offer you thank can't you. refuse. You need to participate in Cody. You're going to be swimming with the fishes. Sunday. Right? Something like that? That was it. That was very good, man. Travis, you don't know. Travis oh. hasn't even seen The Godfather. So. Hey, I've seen memes. I've seen part of it. It's long. It's like three parts. I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming Thanks. on the show. Thank you, guys. The Bad Crypto Podcast. When we talk about blockchain, some people automatically think we're talking about Bitcoin. And that's just not always the case. In fact, there's many blockchains in the universe of blockchainia, aren't there, Travis? Blockchainia. Yeah, that's a that's a place. And there are many, uh, many different types of, you know, we, I mean, we, we've chatted with like over 100 different types of, of companies doing cool stuff on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Many of them are using the Ethereum blockchain. A few of them have their own, and and we've got somebody that's uh, seeking to do something super innovative here in this segment. Uh, the gentleman's name is Thomas Zeinzinger, and he is the head of the board of a cooperative that is launching Artis. It's A R T I S dot E C O. First time I've ever seen a a dot eco domain. And Thomas, welcome to Bad Crypto. Well, thank you for having me. What what is a dot eco? Please tell us. <laughs> a dot eco is uh, is a company or uh, project which is actually looking at uh, doing something good for the environment as well. So because we are using a, a a way of consensus which is not kind of using a lot of energy, we are kind of entitled to use that kind of top level domain. Right on. Uh, so, so tell us then. You know what? Break it down for the layman out there, right? For you know, for the 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 common person, what exactly is your elevator pitch? Like, what what is it that you guys do, and how is it you guys are planning on on uh, accomplishing this? Okay. Yeah. Well, Artis is a, a third generation blockchain, which is highly efficient and has a high throughput. And uh, we have introduced a new key feature we call Stream. And this lets you uh, do continuous payments or continuous value transfers. And what it actually does at the end when you use that kind of feature is kind of shrinking down the time at the end of every kind of payment process to like saving you 75% of time uh, and a lot of clicks when you uh, don't have to put in your registration and all these kind of stuff. So makes the kind of process at the very end uh, of every kind of thing you want to buy, you want to subscribe to, very convenient and very fast. So is this a Ethereum fork? Or are you connected to Ethereum, competing with Ethereum? No, we, basically, we see each other as uh, uh, as a kind of extension of the Ethereum ecosystem because we stay 100% uh, compatible with the smart contracts of Ethereum. So basically things which are built for Ethereum should work on artists just as well. Uh, on the other side, due to uh, kind of technical differences, what we have uh, implemented, uh, you can do other things what you can't do with Ethereum. So basically it's increasing the possibilities 
you can do uh, with something you kind of design for Ethereum, but Artis is providing something else. And we are kind of starting from scratch. So basically that's a new kind of starting blockchain. It's not kind of a work as you would understand that taking everything Ethereum has there and kind of forking away like the, all the, the Bitcoin stuff, uh, which happened with Bitcoin gold and so on. So separate standing blockchain started from scratch, but using uh, Ethereum code base and uh, also intended to stay close to the code base, what Ethereum is actually providing. Yeah, so I, I like this. You guys are doing the same code as Ethereum. You guys are essentially, so anybody who's building smart contracts on top of Ethereum, they will work on your blockchain. And, uh, and blockchain projects are traditionally my favorite types of projects because people are building on top of you, right? And that's pretty interesting. You guys have a unique you know, concept here, you're calling it, you have a, a holistic concept and you are creating a human centric crypto based economy that enables real life use cases that help people transact in a fair and efficient ecosystem. Can you describe maybe some of these use cases and how this is going to be different than some of the other blockchains that we've seen? Uh, yeah, well, the, especially the human centric is, is very different uh, because uh, what we uh, want to do is uh, to provide a, a large portion of the coins which are generated within the system over time to uh, registered humans. So basically humans which are getting those coins like in an airdrop, but a little bit more, more, more defined. And uh, that will allow that people which are within that kind of system actually can interact with the kind of system. As you probably know, if you do something on blockchains, you always need the base coin. And if you don't have the base coin, you have to go to a kind of exchange and buy yourself some, some ether or, or any other coin that you're able to interact with that kind of blockchain. In the case of artists, it will be uh, handed out to people in a, in a large portion and uh, they will be able to interact with all kind of services which are building on top uh, on artists. So that's the human-centric approach. So then tell us a little bit about how far along are you guys with the technology today? You know, a lot of ICOs, they're using their funds to build out their technology. Um, where are you with the technology today? And maybe what does the timeline look like after the ICO for having your project uh, being ready to go? Well, the uh, we have demonstrated last year, uh, mainly in, in summertime, uh, how we can do these kind of streams, as I mentioned it. We just recently put it up on GitHub so people can look at the, uh, the concept there. We are currently um, working on getting the consensus uh, working for, for us. So we are using Tendermint as the consensus and uh, setting up the test net and make it visible to outsiders. We do have internal running testnet, but you know, it's like, it's a different story if you can show it to others. So we're doing uh, already use cases on, on our internal testnet activities. And uh, when we look at the, the ICO, so we are intending to launch the mainnet at the end of the year. So giving you a concrete understanding of, um, yeah, when we want to launch the main nets and get everybody kind of able to interact with it. So you, you make some pretty bold claims on the site. You say 10 to 100 times faster than Ethereum, and you're going to be able to have more transactions than PayPal and Visa or handle as many as them. And you're doing this at a 
where you're not taking as much, nearly as much energy consumption as some of these other blockchains. How are you guys able to do that? Because that's pretty fascinating. It's very much connected to the consensus you're running on a blockchain. If you're running uh, Nakamoto consensus, as Ethereum is currently doing and as Bitcoin is doing, uh, that causes a lot of kind of competition in the network. And due to that, it is very limited transaction what you can do. Uh, so you can increase that by uh, using uh, proof-of-stake consensus. And uh, there, basically, you're ending up in, in having something like 200 to 2,000 transactions per second, what is similar to what Cardano is probably promising uh, and so on. So the other thing which really stands out, in my opinion, and which is kind of overlooked uh, frequently, is uh, is the block time. So block time, we actually intend to achieve five seconds. And uh, talking about block time, uh, we talk about finality. And uh, basically, when is the transaction final? And when you can rely on it? Uh, and that should be done with every block. So basically, after five seconds, it is in the blockchain and it won't change. So you guys are doing a public funding round here shortly. The token is an ATS token. Uh, explain how the token will then work within the ecosystem. Okay. The, the token is a Ethereum ERC20 token. So what we're actually giving out is ERC20 tokens for, uh, for Ether. And that token will be swapped for the coin at when the main net launches. So we have the token and that token is changed for the coin on the main net of Artis. So that's the way it works. Very nice. So if someone were to participate in your ICO, um, what does that entail? And is there any limitations on who can participate in the ICO? And maybe talk about some of the tokenomics of that and the economics around your token and uh, how many you get, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The tokens are, um, we have generated 3 billion tokens, or we will generate 3 billion tokens. Uh, 1.5 billion will go uh, for the token sale, and every token will be uh, 1.5 years, uh, but of course paid in Ether. We will adjust that kind of exchange rate uh, on a daily basis uh, in the smart contract, and to be able to, uh, to get into uh, get ATS token, uh, someone needs to go through a whitelisting activity on the web page. And after being whitelisted, then somebody can use uh, his address to uh, pay into the smart contract and get the ATS token. So regarding, uh, regarding whitelisting, this is kind of still... Uh, discussed a lot with the, the, the lawyers because, as you know, this is kind of a tricky subject. So we don't know yet what the lawyers are actually telling us uh, what we have to include and exclude for our token sale. That's why they get the big bucks, so they can keep you confused and keep everybody else confused, right? Uh, yeah, you know, it's like uh, you need the lawyers, you can't do it without them. I have a question around, you know, because you, you're, you're talking about how you're, you're designed for the subscription-based economy. And so my question is, you know, we, we had a recent interview with Cardstack, and Cardstack is wanting to be like a one-click, a one 
you know, you, you pay them fiat money and then you buy crypto and then they basically pay the subscriptions out to you amongst various different blockchains and they kind of like a pipeline for APIs for these different things. It's kind of sounds similar to what you guys are doing. Are you guys plugging in to various different uh, blockchain components and are then able to, you know, have a one payment stop and then uh, th- then the payment get distributed amongst these different partners? Or how, how does that work? Because it sounds similar to me. Uh, yeah, might sound similar. It's very different. Uh, I'm kind of old school here. So I believe that people actually should own the funds and we should get rid of middlemen. So we are not positioning ourselves as a middleman, doing all the, 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 the tricky stuff in between. We want to uh, have them directly interact with the uh, blockchain system, with the artist blockchain system. So as soon as uh, basically they're paying somebody for their subscription, they're actually doing a transaction direct chain and that subscription will kind of let the money flow. So we, what we are also using is a kind of, we do cash flow, but literally. So really it's like one transaction starts the flow and then the next transaction stops the flow. So it's very different from an implementation perspective and it has a, a huge implication basically on what you're doing. The other important thing in that kind of system, uh, we rather believe in stable coins. So we actually uh, talk a lot about how do we get people uh, stable coins into their wallets. So that basically those stable coins can be used as direct payments and you don't need any service provider in between doing the exchange and they can kind of pay with the stable coins for the subscription, what they're taking. Most excellent. Well, the website artists.eco is where you can guys go to check out and learn more about the project and see videos, read the FAQ, discover more um, their economy papers there to download and uh, learn about the public funding round. Where are you guys building your community so people can engage with you? Most people here are working in, in Austria, so the ones which are working on the system itself. But of course, uh, you can interact with us uh, through uh, subscribing on the web page, uh, looking for the newsletter, uh, getting their uh, Slack invitation, also go on uh, on Bitcoin Talk, talk to us there. We have a Twitter uh, at artists uh, underline eco. Uh, we have a Facebook page, we have a LinkedIn page, and we have a YouTube channel. So basically, wherever you can comment there, somebody from our team will react. All right. Well, is there anything else, uh, Mr. Thomas, that uh, you would like the Republic uh, Bad Cryptopia citizens to know about your interesting project? Well, I, I would like to let them know that uh, basically artists will uh, help them to make the likable and the ones which are looking for investments. Uh, please have a look at our webpage, uh, get in touch with us if you have questions. For developers, if you're interested in building on top of uh, that kind of uh, features, what we are uh, introducing with artists, I'm looking forward to talk to you as well and get you hooked up with with our uh, our developers as well so that you can build the most desirable products out there. That's great. Well, thanks so much for joining us and good luck with your project. Thank you very much. Isn't it great how time flies when you're having fun? Listen to great content and uh, interesting ideas.
Yeah, I love those projects. Each one of them had some really cool stuff that was going on. And you know what? It just almost seems like with us a little bit of message tweaking and a little bit of enthusiasm (laughs) and all those projects could be winners potentially. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Listening is great, but subscribing and reviewing is mo better because that tells the iTunes algorithm that uh, you really dig the show and that actually gives us more of a boost than just downloading. So take a moment, click the subscribe button, take a moment, share your thoughts. And of course, your funny reviews are always welcome. In fact, hey, Trev, let's just do a couple right here really quickly because we promised that we would and uh, there's some new ones in here i thought i was going to hear some michael jackson i'm bad but was not disappointed i had the shoe in the dryer car stereo all prepped for mj and all i get is cryptocurrency talk perhaps mj is going to come on and give some advice with you guys running the show it just may happen thank you and rock on and that was uh, tim tx 52 tim tx 52 thank you so much uh right here it says the best crypto podcast no one tops you guys super informative fun and educational all at the same time you guys are awesome together and i crave to hear every new episode and i can't wait to see where this journey takes you and me from california realtor yeah there's only one of those out there there's only one wow that person must be making lots of money and so paul there. yeah paul b hansen bad crypto dad jokes question why can't you borrow money from a leprechaun answer They're always a little short. Tune in and subscribe to this podcast for endless bad crypto dad jokes. So go to iTunes, review us, leave a five-star review, write something funny, and we will read that maybe on the air. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Because you know why? Because we're just trying to stay bad over here. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.